Curtis being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. We are back, baby. Welcome all to the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Andy Prophet, your host here, joined as always by Jack Reed and Alistair Lloyd. And today, a very special guest, uh, Jack and Al. It's good to be back with the two of you after a few weeks off the air. Uh, so we're very fortunate um, with the opportunity that we have in front of us today. Uh, I'll get to a warmer welcome very shortly. Just want to say a quick thank you again to all of our listeners, our viewers, subscribers, where, however and wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, thank you for your support. If you're new to the show, welcome. It's great to have you on board um, wherever you, you're tuning in from. Don't forget, please, to like and subscribe the show. It really helps us and we truly appreciate you. Back to the fun stuff. As I said at the top, the three of us um, are very excited to present uh, the finance whiz, softball coaching guru, is one half of the Lightning Round podcast and friend of the show. Hit it, Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> introducing Shavy. Chicken shit football. It was amazing. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Jamie, it's a real uh, honor, as I said, to have you on the show um, and give up the three of us a chance to talk Chargers football with you. Um, once again, thank you for, for, for joining us today. Welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. And that was quite the welcome. Uh, you got the wrestling in there. You got the softball in there. I don't know about the whole finance whiz thing, but I'll take it. Uh, but <laughs> thanks for the warm welcome. I appreciate it, and it's good to be here. Uh, that's just what we do here, mate. We we make you feel better than you've ever felt before. <laughs> um, it's a good trade off. Look, it's an it's an obvious question, mate. Um, but every story is unique. What's your Chargers story? How did you become a fan? Well, my Chargers story is uh, my family moved here when I was. Moved to San Diego when I was four. I've been living here with the exception of college and a couple other years in between since I was four years old. And when I was about nine or 10, I discovered the Chargers and I was watching a linebacker by the name of Junior Seau wearing number 55, mm -hmm. running around the field with his head, his hair cut off, pumping his fist, you know, doing his lightning bolt dance after sacks and after big plays, making plays that a linebacker shouldn't be able to make. And that's, that's what made me a Charger fan. That's what got me on the hook was watching that was watching Junior play because Lord knows for the most part they weren't very good during that time. They had a few good mm -hmm. years here and there, but it was it was Junior watching him do his thing. That's what made me a Charger fan. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, we've only been as lucky to to have seen highlights of of the great Junior, but um, yeah, look, easy sell. Uh, getting excited watching him tearing up the football field—that's for sure. Um, Garrett, Garrett and yourself have been entertaining us Chargers fans for, yeah, what, eight-odd eight years now. 
how did you guys get together and, and start the, the podcast? Uh, it kind of happened by chance. Uh, we were we were both writing for a blog that is now long gone. Um, it was called Vault Blitz. And at the time, I was writing for the blog, and the owner of the blog had just started a weekly show on a tiny local radio station called Vault Blitz Radio. And he asked me to be on the show with him. And I started recruiting players to come on and, and, and do interviews with us and things like that. And pretty soon things started going a little sideways. You know, he, the owner wanted all the players contact information. He insisted on having it, even though I was the one that was building the relationships and he was basically wanting it so he could have players wish his girlfriend a happy birthday on Twitter and things like that. And I was getting kind of tired of it. And there was a lot of drama and Garrett and I met at a fan, a fan meetup in San Diego. And there was a round table and we happened to be sitting next to each other at the round table and we started chatting and we got along and we had similar views on things. And a little while after the meetup, he reached out and was like, Hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And at the time I was doing the radio show, which I was enjoying, but I knew it wasn't going to last very long. And I wanted to find another way to do what I was doing. So we met for pizza one day, had a couple beers, talked about how we would do the show. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but Garrett's background is in radio. He's a radio producer, mm. produces nationally yeah. syndicated radio shows. So we had the production side set up, which I think added a lot of value to the show early on as we were building the content. And we, we did our first show. I think we had six listeners on the first show, all family, maybe one or two friends. Um, we know what that's like, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a slow build. You know, it, it takes time to build the audience. But uh, if you stick with it, the audience will come. And, you know, we're, we're proof of that. We, we started out really yeah. small. I think the second, so the second episode had like 25 listeners. And it was just a steady build from there. And the word got out. We didn't do any marketing. Uh, we were on Twitter, but sparingly so. And uh, people just started talking about us. People started finding us. There weren't a lot of podcasts on the radio at the time, and we developed a huge following, and luckily, we've been able to keep it, and that's kind of how we got started was just a chance, an offhand meeting through the blog, and we built the relationship and built the show, and here we are. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Great story. That's uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really inspiring uh, hearing all this stuff, especially about the hardships at the start because um, – to, to get where you go as long as you put in the effort and you know you let let it all work out for you um it'll if you build it they will come as they say you know so um have you have you yourself had any opportunity to get across to australia uh have you watched any aussie rules football at all i've any never been to australia to our kind of never been to australia never been to, never seen an aussie rules football game nothing like that my my impressions of australia come from movies to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Crocodile Dundee when I was younger, yeah, um, yeah. Point Break, things like that. So I know about the Great yeah. Surf. I know about the Sharks right the off Bell's the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of yeah. good wine comes from Australia. Obviously, you've got Aussie yeah. Rules football. So lots of good things, but most of them I haven't experienced firsthand yet. Nah, fair enough. Fair enough. We just, we ask because we're interested. We care. 
Uh, like I said, it's a real it's a real treat to to talk Chargers football with you today. What we'll cover on the show is a bit about our off season observations, mini camp, and heading into training camp, the expectations, um, and integrate our appreciation for for your show, Jamie, the Lightning Round. Have a bit of fun reminiscing on the NFL world since the Lightning Round came to be. Um, play a few games. I think Alistair's got something sorted up sorted out for that, and end off with uh, our famous Aussie quiz. Um, with training camp starting on Wednesday coming, the 27th, uh, just next week, Jamie, uh, starting with you, have there been any particular off-season observations that have stood out for you? Anything that you're sort of really excited to see heading into training camps and battles or matchups? Yeah, there's quite a bit. Um, I think the biggest observation that I have, um, and it's kind of it's kind of broad and we can narrow it down from there, is I think it's pretty obvious that the Chargers processes in terms of how they identify deficiencies on the roster, who they target to fill those holes um, and how they're going about building competition and depth on the roster. They're evaluating players better. They have a better idea of who they want to fill those roles, how they want them to fill them exactly what they want them to do on the field. Um, There's a clear plan in place. They're obviously committed to protecting Justin Herbert. We've seen that with the last two first round picks being offensive linemen both of whom have a chance to, I think, be very, very special. I mean, Rashawn Slater already looks special. And I think Zion Johnson, mm, he was how good. hands down the best interior lineman in the draft and arguably the best offensive lineman in the draft. So um, to get him at 17, I think, proves that their their process is strong because he was one of their top 10 players. They arguably had other needs, bigger, more pressing needs in other positions. They could have taken a wide receiver, you know, reached for somebody, assuming the people they wanted there weren't there. They could have reached for an edge player. They could have reached for a guy like for for a, an offensive tackle, uh, which was a de- which is still a desperate need. But they went with the best player on their board because they knew he was plug and play and that he would help them win right away. And I think that's a much improved process from what we've seen in recent years. And that improved process is really, I think it you can see it almost across the entire roster. There are still some areas where I think the processes need some improvement. And I'm sure we'll talk about those here in a few minutes, but um, you know, the focus on bringing in depth, athleticism and playmaking ability at corner, Uh, the focus on bringing in depth and creating competition at the edge positions, Uh, improving the interior defensive line, finding a legitimate number two running back who can actually do the things they want him to do on the field. These things are all things that they've struggled with and now they're starting to figure them out. And I think it's, it's, it's caused, it's, it's caused to be optimistic because it seems like the coaching staff, the proper coaching staff is in place. They're evaluating things properly. They're passing the information along to the front office properly. And the front office is carrying out what they want. And I think that synergy between the front office and the coaching staff, or maybe more specifically the ability of the previous coaching staffs, to communicate, identify and communicate those things and carry those plans out. I think it was what was keeping the Chargers, I don't want to say broken, but was impeding their processes for quite a while. Oh, definitely. I, I agree with almost everything that you say. And we've talked a lot about on this pod about not only the processes on the field, but also seeming the processes at, a, I guess, at an organizational level as well. We do have the the, the Spanoses that, that are still sort of looming over, but it seems to me that Staley does have, uh, or at least is 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 really focusing on putting those 
clear lines of communication and, and information being passed through all the way. There's there's no holding of information and wanting to kind of keep it, oh, no, it's just for me. And, and, and there we see the disconnect on the field. And the thing that I've noted and I just read a couple of days ago is obviously the impact that uh, Fiken or whatever his name is, Ryan Ficken is having and Chris Gould. Um, I sort of have always thought that special teams for the Chargers has never really been an area where we've put a lot of focus and a lot of time and energy. Um, but I, I, with um, Staley came out on the other day and, you know, Jalen Guyton to me is now, I, I have a feeling could be that fourth or fifth. He's going to perhaps be a gunner on, the, on that special teams because of his speed. So really looking at utilising all parts of the roster and not trying to protect someone like a Guyton who, you know, arguably should should he, should he not, or should he be on the roster? Um, so, yeah, I'd, I would agree with that. Um, it's not just offense and defense, but hopefully special teams is, is now a place where we can develop players like Ogbongamega and Neiman and Rumpf um, and, and get that time into them. What about you, Al? Well, another part of that uh, evolution as well is, is players who join the team and are no longer expected to contribute immediately necessarily in a starter's role. And I think that's a change in process. If you just think over the years, your Dan Feeney's and Forrest Lamps, people of that ilk, um, they're being drafted to start immediately and then you're really at the behest of, of whether a rookie can come in and be a competent NFL player since uh, from day one. And that's no given, right? That's not an easy thing to do. Um, for certain positions, there's a there can be a strength and development issue where it might take um, 12 to 24 months to build the right um, body shape to play at that level. So another thing that we've discussed on the show, and I'm sure, Jamie, you will have noticed too, it seems... Players like, you know, Jamari Solier and the, a lot of these types of players now, um, JT Woods, another example, are likely to be given the opportunity to grow behind a, a veteran, an established veteran presence. Um, and that's that's great. It means if the rookie hits the ground running, fantastic. They're, they're, they're great immediately. But if they're not, you're not depending on that player like um, has happened to Kenneth Murray. And I think that's been a real issue when you bring in a player who needs to star from day one you're really at the whim of that player taking to the nfl quickly how about you andy well you guys have hit it brilliantly i think it's a real a real indication of maturing through the growing pains of the first year with you know the new coach the new systems and the the relationship needs to needs to build and and then blossom and we're seeing that sort of blossom this year with the way that we're building the roster and like you said alistair i think that's a really big point for me as well is but we're not bringing in guys like we did with Thomas Davis in the past and having them fill a, a permanent role. Like, a, sorry, a, just a huge snap count. We're getting guys in like Kyle Van Noy who will play limited snaps but have a greater influence because we don't demand as much of them. We're, we're, we're building the roster in a more sustainable way and it's, it's really good to see. It's really promising. Um, just Andy, it's interesting you mentioned Van Noy because I'm interested in... Um... Jamie, your thoughts on Van Noy and where he might be used? Because I think that's at least one story I'm interested in in watching during training camp. Um, he's a guy who's predominantly lined up on the edge uh, in the last two years in Miami and New England, but definitely has the flexibility to play off-ball linebacker. And we know we the Chargers have had some issues in with that position group. And I think before the, the team took a break, Brandon Staley had mentioned, you know, creating a special position for Kyle Van Noy, which could be a hybrid position. Where would you expect him to play the majority of his snaps um, in season 2022? Yeah, I think we will see him play a lot of edge and a lot of off-ball linebacker. Um, my guess is 
he I see him as kind of a positionless defender. He can play some defensive end, some edge. He can play some off-ball linebacker. He can cover. He can rush the passer. Uh, you know, he can help out against the run. So there's a lot of things that he can help with. I think we will see some some packages where Joey Bosa kicks inside and you've got Khalil Mack and Kyle Van Noy on the edge together. I think there will be some packages where everybody's standing up, kind of that amoeba defense that they ran in um, in Miami the last couple of years. And you see maybe Van Noy as the only one dropping back, the, the linebacker dropping back in coverage. Um, so I, I think they'll move him around. And I think having him and Derwin with the ability to move around and you have the same thing to a lesser extent with guys like Callahan and Asante Samuel Jr. Um, even Woods, it sounds like they kind of, uh, JT Woods, they see him as kind of a positionless guy who's going to move around a lot. I think the goal is going to be to make the defense, make the offense, excuse me, figure out where these guys are playing and what their role is and move them around and have them fill multiple roles. That's part of unlocking Derwin to get him to be able to be in the box and attack the quarterback more attack the line of scrimmage. And I think it's also just about being less predictable, uh, creating matchups mm. in the right spaces for the right players. Yeah. Well, speaking of, um, speaking of fun matchups, there's going to be some really good, good viewing coming through training camp with, you know, Rashawn Slater in his second year now up against the likes of Khalil Mack, Bosa, Van Noy. Are there any, Ooh, can't wait to see are it. there any great, it's sort of in team, um, matchups that, that we're looking for, forward to seeing or anything that I think we've got a few training sessions against the Cowboys coming up as well. So anything, guys, that we're, Jamie, <coughs> that you're keen to sort of see some players that you're seeing want to see tested or you want to see blow someone up? What do you reckon? Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I think one of the first ones that comes to mind is seeing J.C. Jackson against opposing number one wide receivers. So seeing him against the Cowboys wide receivers, mm-hmm. seeing him against Allen, against Mike Williams, things like that. Those kinds of competitions are the th- kinds of things that make training camp fun and exciting and really push guys to challenge each other. And that's co- some of the competition that Brandon Staley has been talking about. I think obviously seeing Zion Johnson against the Chargers interior defensive linemen against guys like S- mm. Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, I think will be huge. Um, let me think what else. Uh and I think there's just some curiosities. You know, how are they going to use JT Woods? It sounds like they're going to use him deep more often than not so they can move Derwin in the box on second and third down. But will we see him play some slot? Might they ask him to play some corner? Um, just how those pieces are going to move around and fit together and how they can be more creative with the personnel they have because one of the problems they had last year was they couldn't be creative with the personnel because they had so many guys playing huge amounts of snaps who shouldn't have been on the field and probably really shouldn't have been on the team. Um, in some cases, it was hard to move them around and ask them to learn multiple positions because they weren't capable of playing the position that they were there to play in the first place. So um, I think those are the things that are going to be fun, just seeing how they fit the pieces together and how these coaches can manipulate the, the roster and the lineup and, and get these guys in position to succeed. I, I I agree. I think the biggest one for me, um, JC Jackson was was one of mine to, to really look at and, and see what he looks like against number one receivers. But I think one of the biggest weaknesses on our offense is who's going to take that running back two spot. Is it going to be Spiller? Is it going to be Kelly? Um, is Horvath going to make the team as a, as a fullback slash running back? 
I think, you know, you're talking about flexibility, Jamie. I think we look very, very predictable when Eckler's on the field. When Eckler's not on the field, what do we look like and what can we do? So I think, um, yeah, for me, it's going to be who's going to be RB2 come uh, week one. And Jack, did you hear... Um... Also, Jamie, who, who, are you saying you can't be versatile when you've got Devontae Harris on the field? No, what are you talking you about? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to your point with the running backs, Jack, I mean, um, I found it very interesting to hear Eckler. Did you hear his press conference before the team had a break? He basically said, come and get my spot. Yeah, the running backs. Yeah. You know, he said that he hadn't been there during OTAs. He's got his own preferred training um, technique. But he was almost pleading someone else in that room to come and give him some help. Um, he, he was saying, I don't want to lose carries for no reason. I want somebody co- to yeah. come in and earn those carries, for sure. which is a different thing. And arguably we weren't doing that last year. You know, Roundtree or Kelly would come in for a drive and it almost felt like just giving Eckler a rest rather than having some belief that they'd come in and contribute positively. Yes. So that's a position group I will be watching closely. And hopefully Isaiah Spiller is that guy Jamie, previously I've said to the guys that I, I I'm not concerned because I haven't I didn't watch we don't watch college football a lot, but there are aspects of Isaiah Spiller's functional profile that caused him to slide to the fourth round and might suggest he could struggle a little bit at NFL level, maybe lacking some athletic juice. Um, but I mean, what, what what's your take on Isaiah Spiller? Do you think where we got him in the fourth round that's about right, and you think he could be a very successful running um, back? I know the Chargers had a second round grade on him, so to get him in the fourth round for them felt like a steal. Right. Um, based on what was left at that point, he was by far the best running back left on the board. And I don't know if you guys watched our uh, draft show, but I actually predicted that they were going to pick him before they picked him. I was looking at the board mm-hmm. and we were going over so our needs list, and I was like, guys, wait, 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 wait. We're wasting our time. It's going to be Spiller. Garrett's contact is going to tell us they had a second round grade on him and they couldn't pass him because it was too much value. And the more you, the more you look at him and the more you think about the way he plays, he's a perfect compliment to Eckler. He isn't huge. He's, you know, six foot two seventeen, two eighteen. He's not your prototypical power back, but he runs angry. He runs hard. Mm. Uh, he breaks a lot of tackles. He's got really good hands and he is by far the best pass protector of anybody not named Eckler at the running back position already. Uh, he was used as a lead blocker. He was used as a pass protector in college. Uh, he, he does everything well. And I think what you get with him is, you know, we talk about unlocking Derwin on defense. I think Spiller opens up the playbook more for them in that I think it will unlock Eckler on offense and allow him to play some slot and use his yards after catch ability uh, from the slot and get him the ball in space more. And I think you will see, it may not happen right away, but I think as Spiller gets more comfortable with the offense and the coaches get more comfortable with him, as long as he isn't fumbling, which is something he did struggle with a little bit in college, I think that's somebody Mm -hmm. that you will see on the field with Eckler to open up the playbook. It's not just an RB2 thing. It's a... Eckler is a multi-dimensional weapon. Spiller is a multi-dimensional weapon, and it opens up their playbook in terms of screen games, swing passes, um, you know, quick slants out of the slot. Both these guys have a lot to offer. So I think it. I think it's going to keep Eckler fresh. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to unlock him as a receiver, and I think it's going to keep the offense more balanced. 
and it'll probably help them with some of those goal line and short yardage situations. He's certainly going to help them run the ball in the fourth quarter because of how angry he runs. So I think there's a lot of benefits to him. I, I wasn't, when he was early in the process, in the draft process, he was universally considered the best running back in the class. And I did not agree with that. I think I had him as the fourth or fifth best back in the class, something in that range. And I think he was taken like seven to 10 range in terms of backs off the off, off the off the board. So they got him in a good spot. I like him much better in the fourth round. And I think he is, he just fits. I mean, I, you could look at him when he was on the board in the draft going into the fourth round and say, that's what they're going to do. Cause that makes sense that that's what they need. Uh, and hopefully that, that gives them the confidence to not have to carry both Kelly and Roundtree because they're the same guy. Yeah. You only need one of them. If any, you don't need to carry both of them or none or yep. none. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably the safest I've felt as that complimentary pick to Eckler in the last few running backs that we've taken. There's just, we've had so many that are just f fumble waiting to happen. And so hopefully I haven't just mozzed uh, Spiller, but hopefully yeah, he's <laughs> just hangs onto the football a little bit more. Um, We'll be interested to see what happens with uh, Derwin James' um, contract heading into training camp, whether we get that done as soon as possible and how he's recovering from that labrum surgery. But moving right along, Alistair, I believe you've got something in store. So all yours, mate. Take it away. Uh, no, before, I do. Before, sorry, guys. Before uh, we do that, Jamie, I, I just can... wanted to follow <laughs> yes, up on yeah. what Andy said about uh, Derwin's contract. I think that's going to get done. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to yes. get done pretty soon. Uh, the Chargers historically don't negotiate after Labor Day, so it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen really soon. But I think it's going to get done. Yep. I think it's going to be a four to five year deal, and I think he's going to be making somewhere in the neighborhood of eighteen and a half to nineteen million dollars a year. Jamie, more importantly, do you think that's the right move? I think, yeah, I think it is, provided that the contract is structured to reflect some of the issues he's had staying on the field. Um, I think if there are yeah. some playing time incentives, some roster bonuses, things like that, that he has to be on the, on the roster at a certain date in order to earn or performance type related bonuses. I think they can make a deal work that makes sense, that reflects some of the things that he's gone through, but also reflects how important he is to the defense because they have built the defense around him. Um, so they're going to, they're going to mm -hmm. sell out to keep him, And I think they should. They've made no bones about it. They've made it very clear how much he's valued to the team, so it would be quite the surprise if it didn't get done. I agree. Um, and we look forward to watching it. All right, so we're going to have a quick and fun little segment now, Jamie. I have, uh, I've been in touch with your co-host, Garrett, and we like to call this segment, Do You Know Your Co-Host? I uh, asked Garrett 12 questions, short questions, some about the charges, some not. Uh, and asked him to answer the question and then guess what your answer would be. So I'm going to ask you those same questions and I'd just like you to answer it honestly and we'll see if Garrett knew you well and then maybe you can guess what you um, Garrett answered as well. So question one, the best band singer or songwriter For of me, all time? Aerosmith. Okay, Aerosmith. Great. Um, Garrett thought you'd say Garth Brooks. And I have to say, for three Australians, we were quickly typing up Garth Brooks. <laughs> yeah, he gives me no credit at all. <laughs> uh, um, do, do, do you have a hunch what Garrett might have answered for that question? I have two guesses. Um, 
The first mm-hmm. is based on the name of his son. His son's name is Miles. So my first guess would be Miles Davis. Oh. Second guess, second guess would be a more, yep. I guess, mainstream guess, and that would be the Beatles. You don't be too nuanced, Jamie. You know him. He's, <laughs> Garrett's a simple man. It's the Beatles. You've just gone bang. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so you nailed it. The Beatles is correct. Okay, question two. Favorite movie of all time? It's going to be a sports movie. Not that many good football movies. I'll say Bull Durham. Oh, Ooh, that's, that's your, that's guess, your for guess for Garrett's, Mine is, is Godfather 2. Okay. Yep, you were on the right. Ah. Oh. Ooh, he thought your answer was Godfather 1, so very close. And you were right on the, on the right track. He said his favorite uh, movie is The Sandlot. And again, I, I had to oh, consult Google for that one. It looked like a coming-of-age film. When I, I saw the trailer, yeah, you've seen it, Jack? I have, yeah, great film. Okay. Um, question three, favorite food? It can either be broad or specific. What's your favorite food? Um, My Jamie? favorite food is Italian food, and specifically, it's osobuco. Have you guys had osobuco? Oh, nice. Ooh, yeah, I've, I've got an Italian background, Jamie, so the, definitely have and love it. And uh, Garrett did guess that you would say Italian food. He didn't get more specific than that. What, what do you I think Garrett's favorite food is? It's got to be Italian food. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. He went with gnocchi. Can't go wrong with that. More specifically. All right, question four. Nope. Definitely not with a nice soup um, favorite alcoholic beverage. Mine is easy because I drink it on the show. Anytime we drink on the show, it's a Moscow Mule. Um, used to be beer once upon a time, but Absolutely when I reached is. my forties, uh, I became allergic to beer, so I can't drink it anymore. So, oh, Moscow oh, Mule for me, and for Garrett, he's always drinking yep. um, an Ale Smith three ninety four on the show. So. Oh. <laughs> You too. That was his answer. Yep. And he knew you'd go with Moscow Mule. Okay. I'll let you answer these two at the same time. Um, Best ever Chargers player and favorite ever Chargers player. The answer to both is Junior, just because he's the reason that I'm a fan. So that's the answer for me. Um, Yep. For Garrett, for favorite, was it best ever or favorite first? Best first. Uh, best first. Um, I'm going to say Philip Rivers and Junior Sale. You guys are really simpatico on this stuff. So he knew that you'd answer Junior Sale to both. He said the best ever Chargers player was LT, but his favorite was also Junior Sale. So you're very close. What's the best Chargers game you've ever attended in For person, me, Jamie? For me, it was... I think it was 2007. It was the Titans playoff game in San Diego. They played in the rain. The team was super banged up and they eked out a tight one. Um, first playoff game my wife and I ever mm-hmm. went to together. They got a big win. So that's that's my favorite. Um, for Garrett? Nice. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I don't even know which games he's been to. So I can't make a guess. Yeah. Oh, that was his guess for you too. He's just got no clue. Um, his was the 0-9 playoff win against uh, Indianapolis. All right, only a few more left. Favorite ever Chargers head coach and least favorite Chargers head coach. Um, my favorite is Bobby Ross because he took him to the Super Bowl. And my least favorite 
Mm-hmm. Might actually surprise you guys. It was Marty Schottenheimer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't oh, like yeah. it when they hired him. And the reason was because he never wins the big game. And watching the Patriots game mm. in 2006, um, I felt like he made a lot of bad yeah. decisions. He let Marlon McCree talk him into challenging a fumble that was clearly a fumble, wasting a timeout, probably cost them a minute of, of possession at the end of the game to set up for a game-winning field goal. Um, yeah. He just he melted down, calling off the pass rush at the end of the first half and giving up a touchdown, not running the ball in the second half when, when LT was averaging like six yards a carry against the oldest defense in the league. I, I never liked Marty. Um, I know he had that one really good season with them, but I was not all that upset when they didn't bring him back. Cause I knew that he's a team. He's like Buck Showalter. You guys watch baseball? No. Okay. No, well, Buck Showalter is a guy who's been managing not... in baseball for a long time. And he's the guy that you bring in to set the culture and build the team and get them to the point where they're ready to make the yeah. playoffs. Then you bring in somebody else who can actually win in the playoffs. That's what Marty was to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. See, I, I heard, uh, I heard m- 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 the M and I thought it was going to be milk toast Mike McCoy. <laughs> yes. That's that what I was thinking. Of about that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's what Garrett thought you'd say. And that's what Garrett said himself. Yeah. Um, and his favorite was also Bobby Ross. Uh, okay. A couple more. Your most fun lightning round episode that you've ever recorded and the best lightning round episode i.e. the one you're most proud of so most fun I think the most and fun best. was the storyteller series that we did with sean merriman just because of the stories that we got out of him oh yeah um okay. i yeah, i love doing awesome. player interviews yeah, awesome. and i love digging for questions that most people wouldn't think of um it's just something that i really enjoy so that that was i think the most fun and that's also the most fresh so that's part of the reason why too um in terms of favorite uh, I would say the serial yep. podcast that we did. I don't know if you guys were listening at that time, but that was, I think that's the best show that we've ever done with the prep work that we put in and the production that Garrett put in that one and the haunted house one were two of the best that we've done just because of all the production. Yeah. They were amazing. Mm. They were really yeah, good. The and I house thought one was great. Yeah. I think they're putting so much effort into this. How long are these taking to record? You can't be doing that every single week. But the, I remember the serial one vividly. And um, that was Garrett's guess for uh, both of those answers, the, the most fun and the best. And that was, those were his answers too. So last question now, biggest podcasting this regret? This surprise you guys. Um, I don't have a lot of regrets, but I think the one that I have, and it's not because the show wasn't good because I think it was. I think it's because we could never match it. It was the uncensored show that we did in 2016, I think, 2015. Um, we were yep. so angry and yep. so just sick to our stomachs when we recorded that game that everything, all, all the emotion poured out. You know, we're so used to trying to be professional and be buttoned up and we just let everything out on that show and it was a great show, but I don't think we could ever do that again. And people ask us all the time after one loss, after two mm. losses, uncensored, uncensored. And it's probably never going to happen again just because yeah. it would feel forced. Mm. It has to be spontaneous. It has to be genuine. And to do it on request, I just yeah. – I don't think people yeah. would get out of it what they wanted. So I would say because we can't match it, that that would be the regret because we set those expectations and it's something that we could probably never do again. 
Yeah. And hopefully don't you don't have do to experience <laughs> a prolonged period of pent. pent yeah, exactly. Yeah. You Let's don't hope have that a prolonged again, period yeah. of pent up aggression because this football team is just <laughs> oh, stick in the mud and driving you insane. Something would here. have to go very wrong from here for, you, for us to be down in those kind of deep, dark areas during the Lynn and McCoy years. So let's touch some wood and hope that never <laughs> happens again. Um, but that's the end of that one. Garrett, Garrett said he had no regrets. Um, so uh, very impressed. You guys are right on the same same page. So hopefully you had a little bit of fun with that, Jamie. Yeah. And now we're going to move on to our next segment, Andy. So, yeah, thanks, mate. That was that was really good fun. Um, Jamie, it was about 2014 that the Lightning it was kicked yeah. off, wasn't it? 2014 season. Thereabouts? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, beautiful. So the year is 2014. Let's take a little trip back. Um, me personally, I'm in probably the best physical condition I'll likely ever see. It's gone very downhill in the last eight years. Alistair had hair and fresh up a stint living abroad, Jack returned home with a British accent. <laughs> Unbelievable. In the... Yes. <laughs> Hello, mate. How are you going? I'm from London. In the NFL world, the, Seah- the Seahawks have finished off the 2013 season, demolishing our division rivals, the Broncos, 43-8 in what we remember as a bit of a whitewash Super Bowl 48. The San Diego Chargers finished the season 9-7 and in Milktoast Mike McCoy's first of his four-year tenure, losing eventually in the divisional round to uh, Super Bowl appearance Broncos 24-17. It was the equal best record that Mike McCoy would experience at the helm before his overdue demise, and a lot has changed since 2014. So we've each prepared, prepared a few questions for one another on things that have changed, be it in the NFL, uh, at the Chargers, throughout the world, anything you like. Jamie, I'm going to start with you and direct one your way. Since the lightning round was born, do you agree you've found yourself more optimistic as a Chargers fan? and more emotionally invested in the team? Um, I'm more optimistic now than I have been in the last eight years. So I'd say yes. Um, what was the second part of the question? Did you find yourself more uh, emotionally invested in the team? Um, that's a tough one to answer. So I, I'm still emotionally invested in the team, and I think the emotional investment is returning with – the new coaching staff and the way things are being run. Uh, But to be perfectly honest, as a San Diego Chargers fan, somebody who grew up watching them in San Diego, uh, Mm. and I'm sure I'll get killed on this for, you know, for this on Twitter or whatever, but I don't care. Um, I, some of that emotional investment admittedly went away when they moved to LA and uh, Mm. adding Herbert and then bringing in Staley and some of the changes they've been making internally is starting to bring it back and it's higher now than it has been in the last few years. Uh, but it, there were a couple rough years there after they left, just to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Oh, well, we all started supporting San Diego charges and I, I, I know personally, I, I wasn't really sure how I felt about potentially supporting an LA team. I liked the fact that, mm. you know, it was Southern California and it was San Diego it was a smaller city um, from from our point of view, anyway, in the uh, US, we say that with absolute respect, Jamie. Knowing we're not from San Diego, and we've actually never been there, <laughs> yeah. so we say, that, you know, it's not the same level. But, but oh, it just, I, you know, San Diego's cool, cool city, and LA is just hmm. another big city with about eight sporting Concrete teams. jungle that we we now love, of course. 
<laughs> no, thanks. Uh, look, I mean, you spend so much time, you know, watching the sport, watching the, the team and, and then analyzing it. It's over such a long period of time. It's just interesting to see how you sort of waver and thanks for your honesty. You know, we won't, we won't slam you for, for being true to supporting the San Diego charges. You can still love the LA charges too. But yeah. Cool. Uh, who's Jack, do you want to jump in? Jamie, sure. maybe you can jump in. Um, do you guys think in the last eight years it's become more or less likely that the NFL will have a European-based franchise or franchises uh, since the lightning round was born? Ooh. I will take... I'll, I'll have a think about that one. Just over the last couple of years, the amount of European players that are coming in, or there's that, there's a very big push for games in, what have we got, two games in Germany this year, I think coming up, is that right? From memory. And I think we've got the the London connection as well. And we're seeing teams or the move for the Rams and the Chargers, the move, you know, the fact that they're moving to to a really inundated market in LA I think, pro- and it's such a short flight, you know, from from the east coast of America to, to to London or to mainland Europe. I think probably, yeah, I, th- I think it's growing and it's a huge market over there that they want to tap into. So I'd say, listen, is it within the next five years? Uh, maybe not, but perhaps in the next decade, we might see a, a London Bulldogs or, or something like that. Um, pure, purely because is it handsome Hank on the... Uh, on the he pops on some of the NFL shows. He's head of European operations um, yeah. there, you know, as a as as a Londoner. So, and he talks a lot about growing the game in in in, in Europe. So, yeah, I, I definitely think there's there's a chance. I mean, we'd love it if there was an Australian NFL team, or but just a game I over don't, here. I don't think that's happening <laughs> anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, a game would be we'll take a game yeah, to start. Game right. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I, def- yeah. I, I definitely agree. Mate, there's just that logistical issue that needs to be worked through, right? And how would you deal with having a team located overseas? Uh, and whether you, I've, I've heard proposals that maybe you do blocks of games, so four games over in London in a row and then four games in the States and they'd have a hub. Certainly seems to be pushing in that direction. Uh, but I think it would be... I think it would be London before anywhere else or maybe Mexico would be another potential option. I know there's a big big um, supporter base down there. Uh, I've got a question for you, Andy. Andy, since the lightning round was born, are you happy with how the NFL's approach to officiating has changed? Is there any rule in particular where a new interpretation might bother you? Uh, That's a really good question. Um, I draw comparison to our football league here where we seem Mm. to tinker with rules every second minute. And there's always a hot topic. What I believe the NFL has worked towards, and I could be wrong because, you know, I've probably paid more attention to this kind of niche stuff in the last sort of five years compared to watching the sport for 15 as a whole. I feel like they're becoming more consistent. And I feel like they're not... I don't think they're making the game too easy for quarterbacks and making it too hard for defenders. There's... I think the the taunting rule and the severity of the punishment on stuff like mm. that. I guess I get it. It's not a good look, but you got to talk a bit of smack. That that's a rule. To answer your question more directly, that's a rule that kind of mm. teed me off. Um, 
But other than that, I, I see there to be comparatively to our footy, there is far more of a consistent interpretation of what the rules are and what causes them to throw a flag. There's hum- and if we ever get a cornerback on our show, Andy, we can ask the cornerback if they think the rules are kind of slanted in the favour of the offence. I can answer that's, that question. That's, that's the true. rules are definitely that's favored in, in, in the favour of the offence. Hmm? You can't hit, can't hit the quarterback. Oh yeah, they are. I just I don't think they're growing yeah, I, more and more. They, they sure are, but they yeah. I just I, I think they've gone a little overboard protecting the quarterback. I mean, I get that. That's the the it's a quarterback central league. That's, that's where the money called. is. I get it, but. You know, some of the roughing penalties that you see called are just ridiculous. Um, I think there's so much ambiguity in what's a catch and what isn't a catch. What's a fumble versus what's an incomplete pass. Um, and it seems like that stuff gets more ambiguous every year to the point that officials have a hard time calling a fumble versus an incomplete mm. pass. We saw that last year with the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert in Washington, D.C. A clear, clear incomplete pass called a fumble against the Cowboys, that sack that wasn't a sack. Um, just, yeah, I, I think, I think there are some, there are some issues that need to be cleaned up with the, with the officiating for sure. So Jamie, I've actually got a question um, that's kind of linked to, to what you've just spoken about. And given that Junior Seau is one of your, uh, you know, favorite, both you and Garrett's favorite players, um, the rule changes are obviously coming from somewhere. And you said about the roughing the passes a lot more. Um, they throw a lot more flags for that. So since 2014, you know, obviously the research and the documentation of CTE and its impacts in players has, has been quite, um, you know, has been quite decisive in terms of, you know, how much now we're protecting the head. Do you think it's changed and perhaps not since 2014, but perhaps go back uh, even another decade, do you think it's changed the pureness of the NFL to a point? And do you think that's a good thing, bad thing, or do you think it's a thing that kind uh, of needs to happen? Has it changed the pureness? Um, I'm not sure how to answer that. I, I mean, it's definitely changed the game. Uh, I, I think, especially given, you know, what happened with Junior and how he passed and all the head injuries he had, mm. I, I think the NFL had to do something to protect players' heads. Um, I think some of the things they've done help some of the things they've done, maybe going a little too far. Um, but they, I mean, they have to protect their players. They have to, they've got to, they've got to do something. I just think the only way to really protect football players is to not have football. I mean, even if you don't get hit in the head, if you get tackled and you go down and your helmet bounces off the turf, your head bounces off your helmet. It rattles around. Good chance you're going to get a concussion. So you can eliminate hitting quarterbacks high. Mm-hmm. You can eliminate spearing. Uh, there's all things, all kinds of things that you can cut out. You can eliminate kick returns, punt returns, whatever you want to do. Guys are still going to take bad hits. Guys are still going to have their heads bounce off the turf. They're going to get kneed in the head. They're going to get elbowed in the head, and they're going to get concussions. There's really no way to stop that if you're playing the game at all. It's just, it's just a reality. Um, but you know, if you can limit the amount of direct contact to the head, you know, helmet to helmet hits and things like that, then at least you're taking some steps to protect your players, your assets, the, the people who make the league work. Uh, 
there's we have a big discussion in in Australian rules football about bring back the biff. In the 80s and 90s, it was very commonplace for brawls to happen and punch-ons to happen on the field, people getting knocked out, people actually lining people up and hitting them, not just oh, wow. only from the front, stuff. but um, fr from behind, blindside stuff. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the older players and commentators go, oh, you know, the game's softer these days. And, and you do hear it a little bit in the NFL world. It's like, oh, you know, now that, you know, you never used to pass the ball over the middle mm. because, you know, that's that's where your Ray Lewis's would, would absolutely kill your slot receiver. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And I think the someone talked asked me this question the other day, the pureness of it. And I think it's just different. And every generation is going to be different. And I think anything that helps, um, you know, it's these guys' job. So anything that helps protect players, ultimately, you know, I don't go to work every day as a teacher and hope that I, you know, get a concussion uh, or, or what, or, sorry, I don't get a concussion. Um, but yeah, interesting. Cool. That's great. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> I got my words, got my words muddled up there. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I've had three concussions, so maybe that was a little bit of a... Uh, I've, got, I've got another question. Um, so you go, Andy. No, 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 no. You're right, mate. I'll, I'll, okay, I've got, I've got another one. Uh, Jamie, do you agree that since the lightning round was born, the standard of quarterback play in the NFL has improved overall? The standard? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think you're getting better athletes playing the position. Um, stronger arm quarterbacks, guys who can move, make people miss, you know, use their legs to either extend or make plays. Um, I mean, I think there's still kind of a line of demarcation of where the top guys are and where everybody else is. And that, that hasn't really changed. Um, you either have a quarterback or you don't. And there are way more have nots than haves at this point. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at a, guy, a league that has guys like Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, um, guys like that, I mean, yeah, clearly you're getting better athletes. More athletes are being drawn to the quarterback position. That raises the level of play. Um, and we're seeing that reflected in how they're getting paid now. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty – yeah, especially with the considerable change to the protecting the quarterback. You're always going to get a better play the more that they can stay on the field. All right, Jack, I believe you've got yeah. the next segment lined up. Fire away, sir. I do. Okay, so this is a little bit of a – again, it's a little bit of a guess who. So I've arranged about 13 audio clips from various people connected to the charges. And what we will do, Jamie, is that it's open for everyone to answer. But I will, what I will is I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask an individual to perhaps have a first guess about who's speaking and who they're speaking about. So they're all connected to the charges in some way. You may or may not be familiar with quite a, quite a few of them and you might recognize perhaps the voices. Uh, so let's see how we go. This first one, I'm gonna to direct to Alistair. Who is this speaking and who are they talking about? getting better as a free safety. You know, his natural position is really strong safety, but we're asking him to play in the middle of the field. And I got to tell you, Eric, he's, he's getting better. Yesterday, there were some plays he wished he had back, but uh, he's been progressing well at that spot. Obviously, that is uh, the great Anthony Lynn. <laughs> Not. Um, and <laughs> who's he speaking about? Oh, he could be speaking about uh, Rayshawn Jenkins would be my guess. 
Okay, does time. anyone else? Andy or Jamie, do you want to jump uh, in there? Sean was the first one that I... I he's always getting up. better as a free safety. You know, yep. his natural position... Yep, one more time, here we safety. go. But we're asking him to play in the middle of the field. And i got to tell you, Eric, he's, he's getting better. Yesterday, there were some plays he wished he had back. But uh, he's been progressing well at that spot. I know who it is now, but do you want to... Anyone else <laughs> want to jump in? Uh... That's what that'd be my Jaleel guess. Jaleel Adai would be my other. It, oh, it, it is. Well done. Let's talk like about Jaleel Adai. Jaleel. Yes. The hitman, Jaleel Adai. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jaleel. <laughs> George Adai. <laughs> that was, that's Anthony Lynn talking about Jaleel Adai. Uh, okay, James. He's lined up uh, on the right side of the line of scrimmage here on this play. But you'll see a lot of edge out. rushers, not even just DBs, but edge rushers will go straight for the quarterback and try to go for the big hit or just try to get their hand on a tip ball at the line of scrimmage. It's Garrett talking about Derwin. What was that? A hundred percent. Bang. You know, look at that. Just like Alistair segment, you know exactly what he's talking about. That is, uh, that is Garrett talking about Derwin James when he's rushing the passer. All right, uh, this Andy, who was is this? Insane. And what it felt, and I said it on Twitter, about? but it felt like it got out of hand. It was like the maybe the 18-year-old who decided to go down to TJ. I hadn't had liquor yet, got some tacos in him, and just went insane. Went ham, got out of control. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's obviously it's it's obviously so, Garrett who, talking. Uh Correct, but what? What? Insane. Okay, I can. I can I've got, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. I'm okay with this one, but let's let's let Andy. What do you got? What did you crack. say, Jack? So this is a this is about yeah a game. When insane. Uh, just trying to think of like a massive big insane game. Um, is he talking about Herbert? He's not talking about Herbert Alistair. there. Alistair, did you want to jump in? Yes, but I might give Jamie a chance uh, if, he, if he thinks he knows it. I'm going to guess he's talking about the Chiefs game in 2018 where they had that big comeback. Oh, yeah. Ooh. We know that game very well, don't we, Alistair? <laughs> we know it too well. It's posted all over Twitter, our ludicrous reaction, behaving like children, <laughs> grown, grown-ass children. Um, I've got a feeling he's talking about the week 18 game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, where? No, unfortunately, this is the game against Pittsburgh in 2021. Oh, 2021. Okay. Yeah. Or 2020. I think it was. Yeah. I've got 21. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, it was 21. Yeah. Sorry. It was 2021. Good one. Uh, so that was the insane game. Here we go. Uh, Alistair, who is this? And like, I can't even attempt to put a positive spin on that garbage. It was fucking (laughs) awful and embarrassing and humiliating and i'm pissed off that i just spent the last three hours watching that bullshit (laughs) there's some real anger in the voice there of of our great guest uncensored uncensored um (laughs) wow the you could be talking about so many different games over the past six years. That's the problem. I, I'm going to assume it's a, the only real recent clunkers. I mean, the Texans won yeah. this year, but I don't remember Jamie sounding off on that. And I did listen to that episode. Um, 
Oh, I might need to phone a friend. Jamie, I'm going to let oh, you man, see if you can remember what you were talking years. about. Um, <laughs> I, I think it might have been... <laughs> I think it might have been the after hours after the Texans game. Oh, 100%. It was the after hours in the Texans after the Texans game, which was an yeah. abhorrent display of, uh, of football and, and management. Anyway. All right. Well done. Okay, Jamie. Uh, who who is this? A lot. You'll, you'll get that person straight away. He had some big plays away. on who the, are they the Chiefs' last drive before the half, and he had some pressures today. was much more... Uh, in the backfield than we've seen the last two weeks. He, he's talking about Nwosu. It's Garrett. This is a tougher one. Mm. It, oh. He's not talking about Nwosu. He's oh. actually talking about... He's, he's talking he's about... about oh. Is he talking about... This is a counterintuitive one. He might actually be giving some fainting praise to Jerry Tillery, which is well, never People deserved. were mentioning Jerry Tillery today. Who, Correct. Like, this, is, this, a lot. Is, this is what this he, is has what he big said. Pl- <laughs> That's a trick one because when do you ever really speak positively about Jerry Tillery? But anyway, <laughs> uh, Andy, this um, is and uh, we've got a couple more to go. Have a key fourth uh, down Andy, conversion. Do he ran the ball relatively well. Was you know showed some good vision and patience for most of the game. Um, so I don't think they'll hold that one turnover against him. I, I don't think it ends. I think they're still trying to convince themselves that he belongs on the roster. Okay, so it's it's Jamie talking and a running back that doesn't deserve his spot on the roster. Shit. <laughs> if only there weren't 10 names on that list. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Kelly. Yay! Oh, well done. Got it first off. Talk about Joshua Kelly. The show. Well done, well done. All right, we'll go. Uh, we'll go one more each. So, uh, Alistair, who is we've been defending him all year. Uh, here we um, go. Who's speaking here? He's who made some talking? mistakes, and you you hope he learns from them. But there were some glaring mistakes, glaring mistakes today that really concern me. That's a very nebulous one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jamie talking about. So it sounded like overall we've been, that he's been positive, but there were glaring mistakes in this no, one. It's I'll, I'll say uh, Kaiser White. Mm, that... Oh, 100%. <laughs> it is. Yes, Jamie, you know yourself well. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Well, all right. Kind of... Uh, here we situation. go, Jamie. Who is this? Um, and what are they speaking about? I was told kind of pregame uh, that something probably was going to get done. And so I was sitting there by myself uh, <laughs> on the sideline and had to kind of keep it to myself for a while. So I was very excited, but I had to control my emotions on the sideline. Who the hell is that? Um <laughs> Really? It Big sounded advisor. like McCoy, but <laughs> I can't remember there being anything that he'd be excited about getting done mm, yeah. during his tenure. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> hmm. 
I've got a feeling, Jamie, you, do you want to have a guess, extended. though? Oh. Oh. Yeah. No, you know and what? And the one guy, he used to cry talking, talking about, about himself Bosa getting, maybe. getting done. That was like the only highlight of his entire tenure. Well done. On the that's, that's so. a, well done there. Yeah, that's the... that. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yeah. And he had to control his emotions. Like a little he had to control his emotions. Broncos, yes. so. uh, it wasn't that. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Didn't get that done. Uh, all right, Andy. Last one. I don't know if he did well, and then we'll, and then we'll go to our. But I will tell you, he was boring who in is the absolute best about? way possible. Oh, I know who he's talking about. Oh, it's Garrett. Boring in the best way possible. Uh, I know Jamie knows, but Al, do you know? I'm I'm drawing blank here. Boring in the best. We're way usually possible. talking about an offensive yeah, lineman yeah. when you're uh, speaking like that. I'm going to guess Ray Sean Slater, the uh, the rookie. Uh, Good one. Oh, Trey oh, Pickens. No, this is a misnomer oh, again. God. This Pickens? is none other oh. than who I predict. <laughs> no, it's Storm Norton. <laughs> <laughs> it's Storm Norton. <laughs> Garrett smoking uh, before that episode. <laughs> I, I have no idea, but that was but that was Storm Norton. So um, thus ends oh, the uh, nice, the guess Jack. who of the audio clips. But well done, we did really awesome. well there. That was well, fantastic thanks for putting that together, Jack. Now, Jamie, I know you've got I know you got stuff on. Do you have time no, for the Aussie, the Aussie quiz, quiz, or do we need to get a get a roll on? Fantastic. All right. Well, as we've done on the last couple of guest series shows, we're going to each take turns asking you three questions, multiple choice about uh, Australia and anything to do with it. Um, Alistair, do you want to get things get things going? Yeah, absolutely. And I, Jamie, for context, I think the best guests we've had so far, Dave Drogemeyer or Kyle from Guilty's Charge, maybe we've got four out of nine. So it is a difficult quiz. Good luck. Um, question one for you. The end-over-end end punt exported from Australia to the NFL is also called what in the Australian Football League? Is it A, the torpedo punt, B, the drop punt, C, the boomerang punt. So end over end. Is it torpedo punt, drop punt, or boomerang punt? Drop punt. Nice. (laughs) Hot start. One from one. All right, I'll go next. Uh, this is this is a geographical question. How much of Australia's population lives on the coast? Is it twenty five percent? Is it forty five percent? Sixty five percent? Or eighty five percent? I'll say sixty. We live around a big desert. Ooh, it's actually we only have fifteen percent of the interior of Australia populated, so it's actually eighty five percent, which is quite incredible. All right. <clears throat> Jamie, the, the crocodile hunter, not to be mistook for Crocodile Dundee, was a famous wildlife entertainer. He made it quite big over doing a lot of talk shows in, uh, in Hollywood. What was his real name? A, Anthony Albanese. B, Steve Irwin. C, Garrett Sisti. Steve Irwin. Or D, Shane Warne. <laughs> <laughs> Set the bar a bit low on that one, I think. So I've, okay, asked, I've asked some. I've, felt, I've walked away from the last two guest shows 
feeling like a horrible human being for asking some ridiculously yeah. tough questions. So I did dial it down a little bit. I... <laughs> okay, right. question four. Jamie, in Australian slang, when you go to the dunny, where have you just gone? A, the hardware store, B, the supermarket, or C, the toilet? You've gone to the dunny. Mm. I want to say toilet, but I'm going to say grocery store. Mm. No, it's toilet. That seemed obvious. <laughs> Too oh, obvious. Trust your gut. Oh, you should have sort of gone to the toilet. <laughs> the dunny. Uh, all right, question number five. Uh, what Australian invention was created in 1953 by David Warren Jack's going of for the, the Aeronautical <laughs> Research Laboratories of Melbourne? Is it the black box flight <laughs> recorder? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, black, black box flight recorder, the aeroplane food that makes you constipated, the pop-down oxygen mask that does nothing, the need for safety videos at the commencement of each flight. I'll go with the oxygen mask. Oh, it was the flight recorder. Yeah, the black box. I had no idea that was an Australian invention. Good one. There we go. Uh, all right, another geographical question for you. Australia is made up of a big mainland and an island. What is the name of Australia's island state? Is it A, Western Australia, B, New Zealand, or C, Tasmania? Tasmania? Well done. Nice one. There we go. All right, well three questions left, and he's got three so far, so we, he's doing well. All right. This is the best one so Name far. Name any Australian to win the Academy Award for Best Actor... There's or no multiple choice. best actress. No, huh? You're gonna do me like that, okay? Uh, I'll say Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> it's correct. Yes. She won a well done for the hours. And uh, could you, do you want to have a go at guessing another one to get your points up? Because oh, there's, there's another very Russell famous Crow. one. About Rome and about fighting. There we go. Now we're on. Now we're okay. Other correct now answers included Kate Blanchett, Peter Finch, uh, Jeffrey Rush for the movie Shine. All right, two questions left, and that's a bonus point. You're on five points, Jamie. Two to go. Andy or Jack. Okay. Uh, oh no, I'll go. So yep, yeah. uh, this is another Aussie slang one. If I said "built like a brick shit house," I mean what? A, a really smelly room, B, a building made of bricks, C, a strong person, or D, poorly I built. So, so if I said really built like person. a brick shithouse, what does that mean? Awesome. Well done. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Killing it. All right. Killing it. Now an NFL-related one. Jamie, name two Australians currently playing in the NFL. So played games on in the uh, 2021 season. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, shame. I don't think I'd get oh, that one either, actually. Guys. So you got Jordan My Jordan Mylata. for Philly. Aaron Sipos is the punter for Philly. Uh, Michael Dixon is the kicker for Seattle. You got the punter for the 49ers, Mitch Wisnowski. Uh Houston's mm -hmm. punter. 
Cam Johnson, Jordan Berry, the Pittsburgh punter, and defensive yeah, end for the Jags, Adam Gotsis. There you go. We've got a few, few kicking about. Uh, oh, well, I asked you two pretty easy ones. So yeah. I've, uh... <laughs> Jack, how did he finish up? Uh, I think that oh, was yeah. six in the well end, wasn't it, Alistair? Well, six. That was six. That's the record for the last that one. That was the best one. So you're uh, yeah, so part price. of the guest series. Jamie, you hold the crown of – you're the reigning champion of Bullshit the Aussie hard, quiz. Aussie well done. <laughs> Bragging rights. You get to come back on the show sometime. Uh... <laughs> uh, you just hold your head up high. Um, well, that's the best result we've had. Finally, we don't have to feel bad, as I said, for pumping out questions that are too hard. Um, mm. That's about all we have time for today. Uh, Al, I know you had some some words you'd like to say, so fire away, sir. Sure. Jamie, I, we think gratitude's very important here on Thunder Down Under, and the three of us want to thank you very deeply for all the work you've done. I mean, it's quite incredible to think that while you and Garrett are recording in the humble west coast of the United States, the three of us are on a train the opposite end of the world, travelling to work, listening to you every single week for eight years. And I think in three ways that you guys have really changed the game of podcasting. So I know that a, lo a lot of your standard podcasts don't really do critical analysis. It's really quite vanilla, um, especially the stuff that's on the television. So we thought it's really kind of, uh, that might be why a lot of listeners love tuning in. It's people prepared to be honest, tell hard truths. And it, it's certainly one of the things that caught our attention. The way you talk about contract details, something we'd never thought about before, right? Like prorated bonuses, dead cap consequences, signing bonuses, all that kind of thing is just um, strengthening the knowledge of your listening base. And then the last one I thought is just the draft and free agent analysis. So actually diving into the film, watching players, giving honest you know, appraisals and detailed appraisals, really great to listen to. So in those three ways, I think you have, we think you've changed the game for podcasting and we certainly would not be here today if it wasn't for the path that you have laid um, in all your pursuits. So from the bottom of our, of our hearts, we'd like well, to say thank, thank you, you very guys. much. I appreciate it. Everything it you've done. Really and long on the show. I, I enjoyed every second of it. Um, the intro, the intro music was top notch. Love that. So good job on that. And the games were fun. Um, and you guys flatter me and you humble me. So thank you very much for all the kind words. I really appreciate it. You really put me over in a big way. And, um, uh, it was it was a blast being on the show. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, our pleasure, mate. Um, we look forward to all the the fun things to come on the lightning round as we we head into the season. And yeah, hopefully we can uh, hold ourselves higher down the track on our own uh, as as the Thunder Down Under guys uh, playing our trade in in Australia. Um, yeah, like I said, that's all we've had time for. So thanks all for listening. Uh, you can find me at TDU underscore Andy on Twitter. Jack? Yeah, I'm at, at TDU underscore Jack. You can also find me on the and YouTube Al? channel as well. At TDU underscore Alistair or at TDU underscore Charges and flick us a like and subscribe on the YouTube. We'll see you yeah. soon for our opponent series, which is coming up shortly. And uh, Jamie, we look forward to... Uh, chatting you chatting to you again uh down the track so yep. thanks very Anytime, much guys. and um go charge all the best for this year
his back pedals looking, firing. He's got Floyd turning. Got it! Zigzag! 